Thank you so much. I want to say a big hi to everyone in Cambridge and Leicester. I want to say I never take it for granted that we're part of a church that is committed to becoming more devoted, united, connected, and generous. How about you? Why don't you just thank God for the privilege of being part of a, a great church family, and I want to celebrate all that God is doing, but guess what? Best is yet to come. This is just the beginning. And so with that in mind, it's my pleasure to <clears throat> bring this particular series to a conclusion. We're looking at the power of everyone. Today, we're going to look at, if you like, the overflow of all that we've been looking at, which is the power of every one of us being contagious. Say contagious. Turn to the person next to you and say, are you contagious? <clears throat> now, uh, even the fact that we <clears throat> use that word uh, in, in we sort of wonder, okay, so is that good or bad? Is it good to be contagious or bad? Well, the word contagious, of course, can be used negatively. We will often say um, that someone may be carrying a, a disease. They are contagious. And if it's very contagious, that disease can spread and become a, an epidemic or a pandemic. We don't want one of those, do we? But then it can be used positively. We can talk about somebody having a contagious smile or a contagious attitude or an idea can be contagious. Uh, in 2014, there was an idea that was so contagious, the word we use is it went viral. It's known as the ice bucket challenge. Some of you took part in it. Uh, it was a, a, an idea that was used to raise awareness for a, a disease called ALS, a form of motor neurons disease. And literally, um, I think it was something like 17 million people got involved in pouring ice bucket of water over theirs or someone else's heads. And they raised over $100 million. How many think that's a good idea gone viral? Some of our Kingsgate team took part in it. How many of you like to watch their reactions? Well, let's have a bit of fun and watch this. I'm ready. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh. That's enough. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. So that's a, a good idea, a contagious idea that went viral. But what we're looking at today is something far greater. That particular idea helped a tiny minority of people. It was vital help in one area of their lives, physical. But what we're celebrating today is that we have something that we can take to the world that not only is available just for a tiny minority of people, it's something that everybody who ever has been born needs. And it doesn't just affect one area of their lives, the physical. This idea has the power to change every part of our lives. And it's not just for this life, it's for all eternity. It's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this message literally went viral 2,000 years ago. God sent his son, Jesus Christ came. He was anointed with the Spirit. And he was the most contagious person that ever lived. He gathered thousands of people. And he, he, um, just before he was to go to be with the Father, after he's died and risen from the dead, 
he commissions a group of his disciples to take the message, the good news of God that he represented, and take it to the ends of the earth. Uh, Notice what he says here to this group of disciples. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And if you know the story of the early part of Acts, we've been looking at this. Uh, The disciples received the power of the Holy Spirit, and the message did go viral. Peter gets up and preaches. 3,000 people get saved in one day. And then as a result of this enlarged group becoming and living contagious lives, We see in Acts 2, verse 47, which is the verse we're focusing on, it says, And the Lord added to their number daily, say daily, daily those who are being saved. The message is starting to go viral. Starts with one man, goes to a group of disciples, then there's 3,000, then daily people start getting added to the Lord, then the number grows to about 15 to 20,000 in one city. By the way, they didn't have social media in those days. But the message is spreading person to person. It's being transmitted. The love and the grace and the transforming power of God is at work. And then we read these statements in Luke. In in Luke Acts, it says, the word of God spread, Acts 6 verse 7. It spreads to the city. And then from there, it begins to spread into the rest of the nation. It goes to groups that previously were seen as being unreached like the Samaritans. It goes to the Gentiles. It then spreads across into other cities. And then we read this same phrase. The word is going viral. By Acts 12.20, we, we read that the word of God, can you say this, continued to spread and flourish. Finally, the, the message then, then spreads to another city called Ephesus, In modern-day Turkey, it's reached right over there to Turkey. And we read this statement, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. And from Turkey, interestingly, in terms of the context of today, things then start spreading over into Europe. And finally, the viral message reaches the ends of the earth. That's here. Aren't you glad that the message reached us? And so we see how... In the early church, the message was contagious. People got filled with the Holy Spirit. They took the message as the number one priority because this has the power to change every person's life. How many of you like to see the message of Jesus Christ, the best news out, go viral again in our day? Well, the good news is in parts of the world, it's happening. Parts of the world, the message is going viral. If we look back over our nation, in the UK, in the, the British Isles has seen some of the most viral movements of the Holy Spirit that the world's ever seen. We, we call these times revival. The good news, though, is that we don't just have to look overseas. We don't just have to look back. I don't know about you, but I'm believing for another viral movement of the Holy Spirit to spread from this nation to the ends of the earth. It's been prophesied in our lifetime. Anyone else believe for that? So let's look at what it means to be thoroughly contagious. You see, even as we look back in our history as Kingsgate, we've seen hundreds and hundreds of people come to Christ, first in Peterborough, then the surrounding region, now more recently into Cambridge, people begin to get saved in Leicester. But I don't know about you, I rejoice in what God's done, but how do you want more? 
There's so many more people that are yet to be reached with the good news. In all our cities, and then of course London, wow, what an amazing harvest field of people. I've seen people personally come to Christ through my own, if you like, contagious witness. But I want to see many more. In the years that God gives me on planet Earth, I want the personal privilege of seeing many more people catch this heavenly virus and see their lives change for eternity. Anyone else? Well, then let's look together and how we can become thoroughly contagious. And the important thing is that we start where we are. Notice what Jesus said to the early disciples. He says, first, you need to start where? In Jerusalem. In other words, that was their home base. That was the people they knew around us. Can you imagine with me that you and I have a Jerusalem or a sphere of influence? Right now, I want you to think about people in your sphere or your world who don't yet know Christ. Have you got family members or friends or neighbors or work colleagues, people at your gym, your club, your school, your uni, people all around you? Let's say on average, all of us, if we put it together, we could average it out. Each of us know 10 people who don't yet know Christ pretty well. Some of you know lots more. But let, let's, let's, let's be concerned. Let's say 10 people. Imagine if every single one of us we're able to transmit or pass on the good news of Jesus Christ, would you agree things will start going viral? But then you see, if you think in a group context, if you're in a life group and there's 10 of you, that's 100 people. And because some of you will know the same people, there'll be an overlapping of your spheres of influence. And then let's do the maths and say a church of 100, that's 1,000 people. And in a center like Peterborough, where there's around 2,000 people, but 4,000 people who connect with the church, that's between 20 and 40,000 people. That's just what those we know. And if every single one of us took seriously the call to be contagious and got thoroughly contagious, and every one of us together worked together, guess what? This really is just the beginning. We could see another viral movement of the Holy Spirit. You up for that? Some of you sound excited about it. Well, let's look at what's it going to take. It's going to take two things. When we talk about a move like this, we need to hold in tension two truths that often are separated but need to be held together. The first is it's only going to happen through the power of a sovereign God. It's only going to happen because God moves. You agree with me? We can't do this on our own. But it's also only going to happen if we take our responsibility to obey the call of God. God's sovereignty and our responsibility, we need to hold together. And with that in mind, I want us to do two things. Number one, I want us to pray as if everything depends on God. Can we say that together? Pray as if everything depends on God. You see, an ice bucket challenge can can spread through just human endeavor. Nominate three people, put it on social media, and it'll go viral. If the idea is good enough, gets enough promotion. But can I tell you, with the gospel, we're not just talking about an idea. We're talking about a miracle. When a person becomes a Christian, it is not something we can will to happen. It's only something that God himself can make happen. For somebody to have their sins forgiven is a miracle. Can I have an amen somewhere? 
For somebody to go from death to life, it's a miracle. For somebody to be born again, it's a miracle. For somebody to become a new creation, it's a miracle. For somebody to become, move from being an orphan to a son or a daughter and an heir of the living God, it's the greatest miracle that ever can happen. And it's only possible through the power of God. It says in Acts 2, this is our scripture. And I, I, I just couldn't get away from this verse. It says, and the Lord, say who? The Lord. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We put this right in the heart of our Kingsgate mission statement. We say our mission is transforming lives, yeah? From our neighborhoods, our Jerusalem, to the nations by the power of God's love. Only God can do it. And so I believe then we need to start by a posture of humility and a posture of dependence. This cannot happen with human activity alone. It's only the power of God that can change life. That means if you're not yet a Christian here, or if you're away from God, you need to come to God, but you need to pray, God, do a miracle in my life. Save me, rescue me. And they close this message, I'll give you an opportunity to come and receive a miracle. It's the greatest miracle of all. But also, I believe, for those of us who want to see other people in our sphere, our Jerusalem, come to Christ, we know that we can't do it on our own. How many of you have tried to persuade somebody to become a Christian, and it's just not happening? <laughs> yeah, been there, got the t done that, got the t-shirt many, many times. So we know, don't we? We need God to move. So if, if we need to pray as if everything depends on God, what do we need to pray for? We need to pray for two things in this context of being contagious. The first is we need to pray for ourselves to be filled. To pray for ourselves to be filled. Remember Acts 1.8? You will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then you'll be my witnesses. And so what do they do? They prayed actually for 10 days and the Spirit came and fell upon them. And I say, if you haven't received the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm not asking whether you're a Christian. I'm talking about you, you, you know that you haven't received an empowering from God that changes you. Then again, at the, the close of whatever meeting you're in, you can come and you can receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I say, the power of the Holy Spirit is not a luxury, it's a necessity for every Christian to carry the good news of Jesus. But for the hundreds of us who've already been prayed for the Spirit, can I say we need to keep praying to be fulfilled? You say, why do we need to do that? Because if you're like me, I leak. Just this week, <laughs> I'd given out so much, I came to a point, and I was trying to prepare this message, and I said, God, I have nothing left to give. Do you ever get there? No? Okay, maybe it's just me. So I do what I do all the time. I went for a prayer walk, and by the end of that prayer walk, I had a fresh encounter with God. The message came, and I thought, thank you, Lord, that when we pray, you refill us time and time and time again. <laughs> Not a one-off filling, but an ongoing dynamic walk with the Holy Spirit. You see, the number of times when I've been freshly filled with the Holy Spirit, and I sit down in the jacuzzi, and I have a divine appointment. It's like my readiness 
And my openness to the Spirit and me being, as it were, filled and topped up, fully contagious. And the impact it has. Sometimes I just know, I sit down and someone there and I think, Lord, this is going to be fun. Because I know God's at work. But I know there's many times if I'm not filled and I'm feeling a bit worn down, the last thing I want to do is give anything away. Because to be honest, I think I've got nothing to give. And of course God can use us in our weakness, but God doesn't want us just to live in emptiness. He wants us to live in the overflow. Can I say, church, we need to keep on praying, Lord, please, pray, please fill us. See, I lo- what I love about Acts is they receive an infilling, what we know as Pentecost, Pentecostal outpouring in Acts chapter 2. They've been seeing revival, breakout, hundreds of people saved, the message is going viral. Then what was a season of favor, it says they enjoy great favor, turns into persecution And so what do they do? They go back to God. I heard this this week, a great quote. Prayer is not to be our final resort. It's to be our first response. You can tweet that one. It's not our final resort. It's our first response. And so as their first response by Acts chapter 4, what do they do? They go back to God because they know that the whole mission and their whole lives is dependent on Him. It says, when they heard this, They raise their voices together in prayer to God. How do they address God? This is interesting. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In other words, God, you're the all-powerful creator. We're dependent on you. We need you to move again. We need you to fill us again, but you can do it because you made everything. And then if you read on a few verses, it says... And this is what they prayed. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. In other words, Lord, we need something fresh. Will you embolden us again? Will you empower us again? I want to be, we want to be contagious again. And what did the Lord do? It says, after they prayed, the place where their meeting was shaken. And they were what? All filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Can I say as a lifestyle, let's keep going to God and asking him to refill us. Some of you have got so empty. It's, it's maybe weeks Months, even years since you had a fresh encounter with God. Why not at the close of this service? Let's ask God, even now as you're hearing the message, say, God, fill me again. I need a new encounter again. For the sake of the world, fill me. Amen? That's the first thing. If we want to see a move of God, we need to pray for ourselves to be filled. But you see, revival, the power of God. Aren't you glad that God is not just working in the church? God is sovereign, and therefore, while we are asking God to fill us, God right there is out there with the lost sheep who he loves, he created. He's working on them because he wants to bring his lost children home. And I tell you, we need to be of faith about that. We can often, I think, be too. We can be very short-sighted and think God is only working in and around us. No, God is God of everybody. And you might not see it right now. You might not believe it. But God is out there working in in the people that that you don't know Christ. So number two, let's pray, not just for ourselves to be filled. Let's pray for others to be free. I know during my, particularly my teens, I'm absolutely convinced. My dear dad, who's a godly man. The hell I gave my mum and my dad during my teens. Anyone else? Some of you looking, No. And I'm convinced his prayers kept me out of even worse trouble than I got into. 
Can I encourage you if you're a parent? I'm sure there were times when he got up and thought, are we ever going to get a breakthrough? He's so far gone. But then when I went up to university, I met a bunch of fellow students, and I think I was on their blessed list. And they started praying, and their prayers got answered, and God gloriously saved me. And I remember ringing up my dad and telling him the good news. I want to tell you, if you've got people around you and you say, I've been praying and praying, keep on. Keep on. Keep on praying. Let's pray for others to be free. Let's pray, as, as Chris Hodges um, in his address to us so brilliantly talked, let, let's, let's pray that the blindness will come off their eyes. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit will draw them. Let's do spiritual warfare over those in our sphere. And let's believe, as he prophesied to us, that we are going to see so many people come to Christ in, in this next season in Kingsgate, that we are going to see people coming from all over the UK, finding out what's going on here. Do you believe for that? Let's pray that we get filled, but let's also pray for others that they might be free. Imagine if we all did that. Imagine if we all stayed contagious and we started praying over these 10 people, these 100 people, these thousands of people, these 20 to 40,000 people. Imagine if we kept on at it, praying, praying, praying. That's, but that's only half of it. We need to pray as if everything depends on God. But number two, secondly, we need to witness as if everything depends on us. I didn't get an amen on that one. You see, yes, God is sovereign. God alone can do it. That's why we need to pray. But if we just pray and we never go out and do what Jesus told us to do, which is to be witnesses, we'll end up with what... Um, a preacher once said, which is, we'll end up with virtual reality evangelism. We'll pretend we're witnessing when all we're doing is just praying about witnessing. It's gone very quiet now. You see, Jesus said, Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses. When the Holy Spirit comes on you... And you will be my, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Can I say that the early Christians took the commission of Jesus as the number one priority in their life? I'm looking at people, I know some of you, you're called to business. Some of you are electricians, some of you are mums, some of you are dads, some of you are technically retired, but you're in the process of serving God in and through the local church. We've all got different individual callings, but can I tell you one thing we hold in common as the people of God? We are all called to be witnesses for Jesus. And thank God he's made us different. Aren't you glad? Some of you are what I call brilliant relational witnesses. You're just great at making friends. Some of you are great at just serving people, and some of you are great listeners. Some of you are naturally great inviters. Some of you are naturally great proclaimers. And can I say to be a witness doesn't need to be odd. It doesn't mean we need to go and target people. It means we are to... What does a witness do? A witness basically shares or says or declares, and it can be in word and deed, what they have seen or heard or experienced. 
Can I say the best way you're going to witness is being authentically you, anointed by the Holy Spirit. Come on, that deserved a better response than that. Authentically you. You see, as soon as I say something like, witnesses, if everything depends on us. When I first got saved, I took that so literally, I went out and everybody I met, almost everybody, I couldn't have a train ride or a bus journey without telling someone about Jesus whether they wanted to hear it or not. <laughs> but, but the urgency slipped over into an over-intensity. And then I thought, well, that's a bit heavy. So I had a period in my time when I so backed off that I wasn't front foot. And over the years I prayed, Lord, help me to be urgent but, but patient. Help me to be determined but in for the long haul. Help me to take the opportunity but help me to be gracious with people because I can't get them saved, only you can. Help me to realize that the best way to be a witness is to get filled with the Spirit Pray for the people around, and then as I build with them, watch what you're doing and take the opportunities they come. Amen? But we all have to be witnesses. And in the early church, that's what happened. You see, many Spirit-filled Christians think all we need to do is the Holy Spirit will fall. Well, can I say go back to Pentecost? They prayed the Holy Spirit did fall. And a great crowd were gathered. But here, listen to me. No one, no one, no one, no one became a Christian until Peter, previously cowardly Peter, got filled with the Spirit. And he got up and he declared as a witness. He preached about Jesus. Can I say we do need the Holy Spirit to move? I've just talked about that for the last 20 minutes. But we need the Word and the Spirit. We need prayer and we need witness. And it's in that atmosphere of an open heaven with the Holy Spirit moving. When Peter proclaimed, then 3,000 were added to their number. I believe what we see in Acts chapter 2 is a, a, a contagious community. And as they're contagiously loving God, loving one another, and letting this life overflow to those around them, it says, and the Lord in that environment added to their number daily those who are being saved. And then many years later... When it was time, in fact, it was overdue time for the gospel to go beyond one city. Because guess what? The, this message cannot be contained in one city. It says in Acts 8 verse 4 that a whole bunch of ordinary Christians, not apostles like Peter, they preached the word wherever they went. Can I say this is so important for us to grasp? I think one of the greatest dangers, even in a great church like Kingsgate, where we have an evangelistic heart, where we have a history and a present reality of people coming to Christ, is if we're not careful, maybe just through busyness, maybe just through neglect, not deliberately often, but we can end up almost like in an isolation ward. Do you remember the, the Ebola thing going on and this, this nurse who catches the Ebola virus? Do you know the first thing they had to do? They had to contain it, didn't they? So what do they do? They put her in an isolation ward and if others aren't going to catch it they had to wear suits and I think one of the greatest dangers we can have as Christians is we can almost live in an isolation ward but God I'm having such a lovely time with Jesus and his people 
I am too. Anyone else? But this message, this heavenly virus, is spread through contact. It's spread through person-to-person contact. It was in that culture in Acts where they had much more of a natural sense of community. They didn't have the web. They didn't have social media. And can I say, let's max every medium. But still today, the number one people, the way people can catch the heavenly virus is person-to-person contact. And I know know this can be challenging because some of the, the best people, best Christians... We can, as the years go by, we can lose contact with people who don't know Christ. I said it many times before, that's why I joined a gym. I haven't got a sphere of non-Christian people in my workplace. You'll be pleased to know everybody I directly work with are Christians. But we need this contact. Many of you, you've got, you've got lots and lots of contacts. If you haven't, then make connection. Why not you know, join or set up a connect group? Something. We have to have person-to-person contact. So that's the case then. We, 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 we take the call of Jesus to be witnesses, yeah? How do we do it? Well, we said much about this. And Chris's message, you, you've got to listen to it. It's brilliant. It was, he unpacked this so beautifully. But I just want to revisit a couple of phrases we've used before. We need to bless and we need to bring. We need to bless, and we need to bring. We witness first by blessing people. Say blessing. This is good news. That's why I love the word bless. It's not like, oh no, Christian coming, you know, get out of the way, I'm going to, no, no, we don't want people, that's their response when they see us. Weirdo on the, on the loose. No, no. One of the things I love about local church, as opposed to just one-off evangelistic meetings, is is we're here for the long haul, yeah? A long-term credibility and long-term likability. Yeah? Not compromising, but where we're genuinely a blessing to the people around us. That means if you're at work, the way way you're a blessing is not just you're witnessing and, and preaching and all day long, you're witnessing by being a great employee or great employer. Yeah? We want to be a blessing. Not browbeating people, but in an authentic way, looking to do good. I love the blessed prayer that we've talked about before. You know, why, why not fire yourself up at the start of the day by praying this? Lord, who do you want me to bless? Or who do you want to bless through me today? That acknowledges sovereignty and responsibility. Knows that. Who do you want to bless through me today? And then we can kind of, in one sense, we can relax about it. We can be front foot but relaxed because we know that God is at work. And then let's take the opportunities as we listen to them, we share relationship with them. And then you will get opportunities. I want to tell you, if we live this lifestyle, you will get an opportunity to tell your story. And the great thing about your story, no one can argue with it. No one can. Even in our culture today, people like a story. If you just don't, just tell it as it is. It can be very simple. I was blind, now I see. This is what I was like, this is what Jesus has done. And this is what he's doing in my life. This is the difference he makes in my life. 
and allow the Holy Spirit to take your story and connect with those who don't know him. Let's continue to be a people, both in our, on our own, in our groups, as whole centers, as a Kingsgate family. Let's be a blessing to those in our Jerusalem, to those in our sphere. Let's go to where they are and take the good news of Jesus Christ in actions and in words. But there's another way that we can witness, and this is by bringing. By bringing. You see, when I first went up to university... There was the witness of those who knew Christ. And there was something about them. I knew their lives weren't perfect. I was smart enough to realize that they had problems too. But I knew they had something that I didn't have. I knew that. But through all their good, as it were, lifestyle of evangelism and just being a good witness around, it wasn't until, this is my experience, others are different. But for me... It was when that group of people loved me enough to bring me into the highly contagious environment of the church gathered together in worship. That's when first God arrested me. And I'm sure they were deliberate about it. They were praying for me. They were intentional. And I didn't look back and think, hmm, that was a bit systematic I think thank you for being intentional thank you for loving me enough that you didn't let me go through three years of university and I'm talking about aside from the sovereignty of God and through the rest of my life you gave me the opportunity to experience the presence of God as a result my whole life has been changed that's why I'm pretty passionate about bringing. Many of you brought to people to Mother's Day. Fantastic. We've got the, one of the greatest opportunities in the yearly calendar. We've got Easter, where we're going to celebrate the greatest day in history. And we're going to put on a special event. We're going to celebrate as the people of God. And we're going to have a wonderful time together. But Easter celebration services... We first want to say we're putting on a party for people who don't know Christ to have an authentic experience with them. Some of them will get saved. Many of them will have a first encounter that will set them on a journey. And as we've heard year after year, let's never get tired of celebration service. Never get tired of saying, <coughs> oh, invitations again. Can somebody just bring me an invitation, please? I want to just wave it. This is not just a card. <laughs> if in the right way, in the right time, this gets to somebody, this has the power to change someone's life. I don't mean this particular piece of paper. I'm saying their response to a simple invitation could change their lives forever. Let's make the most of this opportunity. Amen? Let's bless and let's bring. Imagine if all of us did this and kept on doing this, this season and the season after, and we just kept this contagious environment going, we're going to see a heavenly virus spread 
all across Peterborough, all across the surrounding towns and villages, into Cambridge, into the universities, into Leicester and Leicestershire, eventually into London, and who knows where other cities and nations that God's got his heart. We're going to play our part together with many other life-giving churches across our land to see another invasion of God, a heavenly virus. I want to finish with one final story, one of my favorite stories of Rick Warren, uh, Pastor Rick Warren, who talks about his dad. It's the day before his dad died. His dad had been committed Christian, contagious Christian, <clears throat> been serving God for 50 years or more. And he's, he's seriously sick and he's, he's dying and he's, he's delirious. Suddenly, the night before he dies, he becomes agitated and tries to get out, his bed, out of bed. And his wife says, Jimmy, Jimmy, what are you doing? You can't get out of bed. You're dying. And he, he wrestles, trying to get out of bed. He says, what are you trying to do? He says, I've got to save one more for Jesus. I've got to save one more for Jesus. Kept saying this, apparently, about a hundred times. Save one more. One more for Jesus. And Rick recounts how he says, my head was bound down. My dad, from his sickbed, reached over, placed his frail hand on my head and said, as if commissioning me, Rick said, with a sacred calling, reach one more for Jesus. Reach one more for Jesus. Rick continues, it was a holy moment and I knew what I was supposed to do for the rest of my life. Reach one more for Jesus. Lots of things we can do with our lives. Lots of things we're supposed to do with our lives. But one thing we have all in common, the greatest, most urgent priority for every single Christ follower is to reach one more for Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you Many of us can say, thank you that you reached us. You saved us. Thank you for the, the personal persons that you used to reach us. And Lord, right now, let your spirit come on us. Let your fire come, come on us. Fill us again that we might reach even in this season, one more for Jesus. And as each of us becomes contagious, we will see a heavenly virus spread out into our sphere, our communities, our cities, our towns, even our nation. Come on, join with me wherever you're gathered. Lord, will you come and do what only you can do? And Lord, we commit ourselves to do what we need to do. We want to pray, Lord, as if everything depends on you. And we want to witness as if everything depends on us. We trust you for a glorious outcome. In Jesus' name, amen.